Today's TribCast is presented by MD Anderson's Bootwalk to End Cancer. Donate now to the Bootwalk to End Cancer, a family-friendly fundraiser in the Texas Medical Center. Learn more at give.mdanderson.com. Texas Talking Out. What was that that you said? Texas Talking Out. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas Talking Out. Tell me who can you trust when Texas Guys are Texas Hi, this is Jake Sherman, the author of the Politico Playbook, the one-stop-shop newsletter for all you need to know about Washington politics and policy. But more importantly, I'm married to a Texan, and I've gotten to know all the finer points of Houston over the last several years. Enjoy this week's TribCast. Here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the last week of October. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. So this is now on. We're now... We yes, are, I, lean forward. You have to speak into the microphone. No, I don't. Yes, so this is now we're recording. This is it. It is. Every week. So if I say things now, they'll actually be heard by people. Yeah, as opposed to the previous editions of the TribCast. I, I'm convinced I'm going to end up in like a Billy Bush situation here. I'm not careful. Oh, is there reason to believe? Would you like to share anything with us? <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Reporter Jim Malowitz. Howdy. The last person on earth, by the way, who, who would, I would get caught in a Billy Bush a Billy situation. Bush. But I might name my band the Billy Bush situation. <laughs> Billy Bush is a good band name, actually. Billy Bush situation is a better good band name. Right. Uh, and editor Amon Bathija. Hello. Aren't you going to crack any jokes about Billy Bush? I feel he's been through enough. <laughs> all right. so, suddenly now you have pity for me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's dive immediately into the latest round of polling in Texas. Uh, if Evan turns out to be right about this election in Texas, I am really going to injure myself. Well, what's myself. my – I don't even know what my current how many? How many times has he changed? I haven't changed it. It's just like I thought it was consistent. He was before, before he was against. No, no. My position has been that Hillary Clinton will win – the state of Texas yeah. when pigs fly out of my butt. Wait, what? That you, has always been my position. No, your well, your position has been that this is going to be... Di- didn't Sorry, correct. Didn't you just a couple <laughs> weeks ago say Texas could really turn blue in this election? Could is in the conditional tense. The, the, this so is, you're still you're predicting. Misunderstand. If Ross were here, he would be backing read, me up Read right my now. Twitter feed, Emily. No, this is, the, this is uh, my, my I, position. I, in an, I can't. There's my, so many damn my tweets. Position, <laughs> we need to get a life. My position, in, I don't, that's a way to get me started on that other subject. <laughs> my position in a nutshell is this. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually think there's a chance. I okay, thought there was right. no chance previously. Now I would say... Kind of, you know, in a Nate Silvery universe, it's about a twenty percent chance. I'm not even sure that I would say it's a twenty percent chance because the the problem here, I believe, is that Secretary Clinton is butting up against her ceiling in Texas. The problem is not that she is overperforming; it's that he is way underperforming. And I think in the end, the Republicans who are not with him are more likely to come back to support him in the end. You know, ten clothespins on their nose in case nine fall off. <laughs> As opposed to deciding like Lionel Sosa apparently did in the last couple of days, I'm going to vote for her because I can't bear to vote for him. And the only way to ensure that he loses is to vote for her. Um, I I think that probably he wins by mid-single digits, which let's acknowledge is a huge uh, huge story. Huge departure for Texas. Uh, McCain won by 11 in 2008. Perry won his last governor's race in 2010 by 13. Romney beat Obama in 2012 by 16. And Abbott beat Wendy Davis by 20. The trend line for Republicans at the statewide level, even in non-presidential years, both presidential, has gone up. So if Trump all of a sudden comes back and wins by only five, Democrats declare, I think, a, a, a moral victory, if not an outright victory, because they say, look, 
we've demonstrated that it's possible for a race to be closer. Now, you can very easily misread the result to think that the Democrats have a chance in 2018. They don't, period, paragraph. I mean, let's just stop. Mm-hmm. There's no, this is not about trend. This is about Trump. Right. I think it's an anomaly. Well, so the latest, but it is competitive. The mm-hmm. latest CBS poll had Trump up by three right. in the Texas. Last, the last time Texas was a battleground, Santa Ana was in the House, right? <laughs> this is this is not a normal state of affairs for us. Well, it was, it was right? 88, I think, was or 92. Oh, God, no. I mean, I, I, no. well, Bill, Bill, Clinton, Bill Clinton elected not to compete in Texas. Instead, he head faked to North Carolina. If, if I'm remembering that election in 92 right, and he ended up losing North Carolina, and people said after the fact, well, it was possible for Bill Clinton to have won Texas against uh, against George H.W. Bush if only he had spent the time and energy here. Well, that's fan fiction as far as I'm concerned because it never happened. Texas has not been competitive for a damn long time. And so the fact that it's even single digits, let alone mid as opposed to high single digits, is something. Absolutely. And it will have an effect down ballot. And even with these, you know, renewed polling numbers, we're seeing really high voter turnout in early voting days. I mean, Jim, what is it looking like around the state in just the first two days of early voting? Well, it's been huge. Um, we had that uh, story up about the, the top 10 counties seeing um, just just smashing the record set in uh, 2012. Um, you know, some counties um, in, in North Texas and uh, I, I believe in uh, El Paso, that m- more than twice. Uh, I might be wrong with that El Paso, actually. But but some counties had actually more than twice uh, the turnout that, that they did in uh, 2012. Um, and that led to like really long lines at the um, voting booths and, and some problems there, too. But um, it's been, it'll be really interesting to look at the demographics of that. And, what right. I've, yeah. what yeah. I've been amazed by is there are people tweeting pictures today of long lines at the voting at early voting locations today, the second day right. is usually know, not a big day. There's a big fall. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, yeah. It was yeah. huge for day one, but for day yeah. two, for it to be, I mean, I wonder how long this can keep up. We, we don't know what this means. I mean, this mm. is part of the problem with a story like this. We obviously mm-hmm. reported the numbers as they were presented to us, and there's an accurate report of what the increases have been. But the fact of the increases does not necessarily lead to a conclusion that we can say with certainty is X or Y. Right. Travis County is, you know. Travis County's being 100% right. over a previous year, we can reasonably assume those are votes for Clinton. I can't say for a certainty that the Dallas and the Harris County right. increases, which are significant, Collin County, are, are necessarily for Clinton, though those those counties went for uh, Obama in the last two. I'd say Tarrant urban County, counties, urban counties look, are a good sign for her. Tarrant County is up significantly. I think it's 43%. Mm. Yeah. Tarrant County is up significantly, but Tarrant County voted for Romney two to one last time. Collin County is up significantly. Collin County is Ken Paxton country. Right. Collin mm-hmm. pa- County voted significantly for Romney last time. So I don't think that the increases in early vote should be assumed necessarily to all be for Clinton. It's just people right? highly mobilized. We have mm-hmm. a bunch of questions coming in on Facebook along these lines. So uh, a question from Nicholas. Are the counties with the highest increases in early vote turnout traditionally red or blue counties? They're I think both. the answer is they're all over the map. And Travis just... and Collin are two of the ones that have seen the biggest jump. And right, those and that's red, super red, blue, blue, blue and red. Blue, yeah. And you know, Bear County, which is an, is always assumed to be dyed in the wool Democratic county, despite having a Republican representing them in Congress, well heard, um, had a very modest increase, only eighteen percent among the big counties. It was far and away the fifth of five. I, you know, the, I'm continuing to be baffled by what's going on in San Antonio from a turnout standpoint. But, mm-hmm. but you know, there's not any really reasonable way to predict this. We just don't know. I, I just have to think that any heightened numbers are, I mean, it, it seems like the pro-Hillary people are more rabid than the pro- you know, On the, the other hand, the there, may, there may be a whole bunch of those Tom Hanks characters on Black Jeopardy who are turning out. <laughs> oh I mean, God, we that was really hysterical. Don't know. Because yeah. could, could, can you argue, argue too, that um, a, a worry for Trump would be, you know, uh, 
died in the wool uh, Texas Republicans not turning out to the polls right. to, to vote for him because they, they they didn't like him, but they're still Republicans. Um, but yeah, we we don't know uh, those numbers. Like may, maybe some of that turnout are Republicans who you know could have not turned out because they here's, don't like Trump. Here's a question from Travis on Facebook: Do you think the high turnout for early voting means overall turnout will be high, or are these people just voting early because they don't want to get in the mess of election day that they fear? I think overall turnout is going to be very very high. Yeah. We know that for we've Texas. already <laughs> we've already broken a record. I think we're to some degree a million or so more ahead on registrations this year than we have been in the past. Traditionally, the number that was quoted on registrations in Texas was 14 million. We know based on Alex Samuel's report earlier this week that we're at 15.1 million, Mm -hmm. a new record for registrations. Presumably, people don't register to not vote. The increase in registrations has to correlate to an increase in enthusiasm, at least among the people who decided to register for the first time this year. And presumably, those people will vote. Look, let's just say we're going to break a record. The problem, again, is we don't know what that record-breaking turnout is going to translate into in this state. So let's say we we have record-breaking turnout, and let's say Hillary gets close. Let's say Hillary gets in single digits 5% right. percentage points away. You know, Battleground Texas, the Democratic group, has for years been working to try to, you know, toward the sort of, like, purplification of Texas. I mean, let's say we get a lot closer to that point in this election. Is there any indication that turnout stays that way or that these people become mobile? I I will say again, this is about Trump. I I think that a lot of the turnout will be motivated by him. Now, you can hope over the next two to four years to get Democrats who vote in 2016 to remain brand loyal and to vote again. But they've got to have a motivation to turn out. He has a motivation in the sense of repelling or repulsing these Democrats. Mm -hmm. Again, we're making a lot of assumptions. But it also may get people to vote for the first time who don't traditionally vote. And I don't know, it's like established some set of sort of experience for those folks, or in, do you think no? In 08, Democratic primary in Texas was huge, and there was all this talk that this was going to be, Democrats were going to hold on to these voters and bring right. them back. They never did. A lot of them, lots of people well, didn't show up again. The opposite happened in 20, 2010. They yeah. lost a whole bunch of legislative seats. It was a wave right. election against the Democrats. But I think a lot of those 2008 voters just never came back, because yeah. they mm-hmm. were never contacted. Look, the, 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 the thing, again, I want to come back to this, if you don't mind. In some ways, what happens at the presidential level is important, but what happens below the presidential level in Texas is as important or more important as we head into a legislative session. There are essentially three layers of legislators who are paying attention to these numbers with different degrees of alarm right now. There are the people who are in 50-50 districts, true swing districts, mm-hmm. that have been held by the other party in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. That would be the Rick Alindo seat and the John Lujan seat in San Antonio and the Gilbert Pena seat in Houston specifically. These are in the Texas House. Texas House members. And then Will Hurd in Congress. Right. They're the most vulnerable ones if this is a closer than normal race. Oh, you got to believe they are sweating it. They're crapping their pants. Looking at these turnout numbers. Right. right. So then you go to the next level, level down. You know, the Dallas County increase over 2012 was among the largest percentage increases of the counties. Right. It was like 80 percent, I believe. So then you go to Ken Sheets in Mesquite, you go to uh, Cindy Burkett in Rowlett, and you go to, or Sunnyvale, and then you go to Rodney Anderson in Grand Prairie. Those are three who are only vulnerable in the event of a wave-ish, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then maybe Sarah Davis in Houston would be another one who is in a district that, while it's more Republican than Democrat, is a a district that has had in our Mm -hmm. lifetimes, recent lifetimes, a, a Democratic representative. Then you go below that. So if you pass that group, let's say Trump wins by two or Trump wins by one. Mm -hmm. Then you've got people like Paul Workman in Austin, 
J.M. Lozano in Kingsville, who quite honestly might be in the second group. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Wayne Faircloth in um, in Galveston. You've got other people who are potentially vulnerable. So the, from Democrats' perspective, this is only good because they see the opportunity to pick back up some seats that they were not expecting to pick back up. But I'll remind you, all of us and myself, that it is basically two to one Republican and Democrat in the House right now. Right. So even if they pick up 10 seats, it's they're not still not it. electing a speaker. They're still not in a position to do anything or prevent anything on their own. Right. right? Uh, just a reminder, if you're tuning in on Facebook, you can send questions our way. Uh, I do want to talk about, you know, we've already seen some voting hiccups among people who are voting early. Maybe this influx of early voters means we're going to sort of catch some of these problems earlier. What are we seeing, Jim? Are we seeing, you know, voting machines malfunction? Are we seeing, you know, voter IDs? signs that are misplaced or um, yeah you know. we've got scattered reports of a whole bunch of things um, in denton county um, yesterday there were 11 precincts where um, the voting machines were set up for election day um, rather than for early voting and that just had to do with a code that, that had been input uh, into them so uh, they already had really long lines and then they were backed up because they started late because they couldn't vote for a little while with, while they were reprogramming machines um, we saw things like that um uh, uh, some voter ID issues that I'm looking into right now. Um, uh, obviously, we we all know that there's been a softening of the voter ID law, where where you can cast a ballot if you have um, certain other uh, documents with your your name and address. Um, if you don't have the seven approved uh, types of voter ID um, passed in 2011, um, and and we've had some re- uh, reports of uh, people saying that that poll workers are walking some of these long lines, saying, "Have your voter ID ready. You must need." You, you must use voter ID to vote and not uh, mentioning the options. We've also seen some, some old signs hung up at polling places that uh, aren't updated to note the change. So so people might be just seeing the signs that say you must have photo, uh, photo ID. Uh, so, so things like that, along with just the, the generally crowded polls and um, uh, polling places and um, uh, the, the distribution of uh, a lot of people are, are, are showing up to one polling place and not the other in, in the same um, community. And, and, and so the, it's, it's hard to distribute the, the voters. Um. Um, a question from Denise on Twitter. Is there are there any teeth to the accounts of votes getting flipped in Amarillo? We were talking about this beforehand. What do we know about that? This happens every election season, especially since we've moved to electronic machines. People say that their vote was flipped when you know, they so they push the button and then suddenly yeah, they voted and, for Pat Buchanan by accident. Right. And I mean, this is sort of the problem with electronic machines is you you really can't prove it. And the vote every time the story happens, you see the election workers go and check on it, and they can't reproduce the problem, and so they just move on. So we we haven't seen anything where an election workers have admitted there was a problem and they had to fix the machine. It, so they're every every story I've seen seems to be they're saying that the voter messed up somehow. Um, yeah, yeah. And and so we have a couple people and some of the conservative uh, news sites picked up on uh, a couple people who said that they tried to vote for Trump and it voted for Hillary. Um, and we, we also had someone who emailed us and said they, they tried to vote for Hillary and it switched to Trump and it was hard to change that. Um, so uh, that that's something I guess we're looking at, but we don't see any systematic problems with that. I wonder if part of the problem this year is People are trying to vote straight ticket, mm-hmm. but change their presidential vote, which you can do on these machines, but it's a little tricky. Wait a minute. How can you do that? I didn't think you could do that. Yes, you can vote straight ticket and then individually change any race you want. Really? Yeah. But it's not the most straightforward thing. I mean, even explaining is hard. So uh, My, my, my assumption straight. was that not voting straight ticket because you did not want to, in fact, vote straight ticket required you to go through individually and vote. Can one, you still boom, turn boom, the little boom, boom, wheel boom, and boom, get it to the, you know, yeah. different yeah, races? Yeah, you can, you can vote straight ticket and change certain races. So you voted already? Uh, no, on my way home, I tried, and I figured out that the polling place I normally go to has been moved, and I didn't want to wait in the long line at the mall where I now am supposed to vote. Okay, did you vote? Yes, no, not yet. Did you vote? Uh, not yet. I was late for election. So, day. I, so I voted, mm-hmm. and I found it to be a reasonably 
pleasant experience. You know, it was um, early in the morning yesterday, and um, there were a handful of people in my neighborhood, which is a neighborhood that tends to be up early. Evans poll. Evans polling place at 5 a.m. <laughs> I was there at 7. <laughs> but, and, you know, there were a handful of people there, and by the time I left, a whole bunch more people had, had arrived. And, you know, it was kind of a standard deal. There were some people who thought that they were registered who were not, and there were some people who had to do provisional ballots. I, I actually was surprised as a person who tends to pay more attention to this stuff than the average bear, how many things were on the ballot. And I was like, who the hell's that? <laughs> Or what the hell's that? Great. So, so what did you, did you vote? Do? Yeah. <laughs> so I vo- I, I'm actually very happy to say that over the course of the ballot that I cast, I voted for Democratic candidates, Republican candidates, Libertarian candidates, and I didn't vote in races in which I thought, I have no effing idea who these people are or what to do. I wish the state would do a PSA on that. Please vote, but you don't have to vote in every race. <laughs> well, I just, I didn't want to vote in cases in which I was looking at it and I was going, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> and, and of course, what it brought home for me, honestly was that straight ticket voting completely sucks <laughs> and that it's a terrible thing for democracy because you end up giving people Votes a, who you a, know an opportunity about. to vote in races in which they reasonably are not qualified to vote. You know, the, the, this whole fealty to party thing causes people to mm-hmm. vote in down-ballot races where they just, you couldn't tell them who the candidate mm-hmm. they voted for was. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, uh, there was some some litigation in Michigan over that. The Michigan Republicans tried to get, do away with straight ticket voting. Uh, they got sued. And I believe the, the latest on that is uh, they still have straight ticket voting in Michigan. But that was a, a, a yeah. case that got up pretty I've never high. straight ticket voted in all the years I lived in Texas, in part because I feel like I'm obligated to know what the hell I'm doing. I just it's interesting. I think this election, just based on what Amon said, that you're going to have a ton of people who are going to be splitting their ticket Mm. is going to probably be the I I would suspect if we can quantify this at the end of the at the end of the cycle, the lowest percentage of straight ticket voting that we've ever had in Texas. Problem is, the state does not track that. We've checked. Um, But counties do. So we'll be definitely looking at that. Oh, good. Lorena on Facebook is checking up on me. She said, I thought you could vote anywhere in Travis County. Yes, but they closed the airport boulevard location and now it's at Highland Mall, which is a bummer. All right, uh, let's talk it's about... It's because <laughs> you live in some boo-boo gentrifying area as opposed to an existing place <laughs> where you could gentrifying. be... <laughs> Sorry, would you like to talk about my boo-boo gentrifying area versus your uh, <laughs> fancy pants, do you Windsor, whatever? Do you have whatever. a polling place at, at your pool? Let me, yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me roll my window down on this side of the podcast and offer you all gray poupon, if that's what you're thinking. Yes. So. Evans, yeah. I hope someday you pay me enough not to live in a gentrifying community. <laughs> Boo-boo gentrifying. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, let's talk about some people who won't be at the polls in Texas, and that is the Russians. <laughs> we think. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah. well, I don't right. know, so, comrades. Okay. What do you think? So help us understand. So, Jim, the Russians actually, I mean, like, what gall, right? They're already <laughs> being accused of, like, trying to play a role in the U.S. election, and they asked to observe the polls in Texas? Sure. And first, let me get my uh, one Russia joke out of the way. In Russia, <laughs> polls watch you. Um, But, yeah, it was a really weird story. So um, Texas was one of at least three states uh, where where, um, uh, someone at the the Russian consulate had asked the Secretary of State, um, can we have um, an official, some officials monitor at least one polling place? And and all those states, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, said no. Um, And then 
it, this kind of became this weird propaganda thing where th- these are states that um, traditionally say no to international election observers. Um, and uh, <laughs> Evans, this is very meta. That, that, Evans that watching meta. the Tribcast well, on his phone. Jim, I was looking at the comments. Do I really sound like that? <laughs> Facebook. Um, but 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 anyway, these these states said no. And then there was this report in in RT, which is the uh, Kremlin-backed um, online news site. I think they have a TV station. The as one well. that Larry King yeah. writes for. <laughs> right. So Jim has it saved in, on his nav bar. <laughs> yeah, I do now. It's bookmarked. Um, but 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 the RT took these refusals and then this weird correspondence with the um, U.S. State Department, where um, they had sort of asked about election observers, but it was in a weird language to say that the U.S. at large was barring election observers, uh, Russian el- election observers, and to say this is a subversion of democracy. Shouldn't we be able to watch and make sure things are all on the up and up? And basically, the State Department came out and said, you know, this was just propaganda, um, that the Russians are trying to stir up trouble and make us look undemocratic, and and, and that in, in no way did, did the U.S. at large bar election observers, because um, states have the opportunity to, to refuse for themselves. And, and so the state refusals got equated with the U.S. refusal, and it's just another weird part oh, of this election But why do we cycle. have to let Russia look at our polls anyway? I mean, I mean, they they would say, you know, we should let any election observer right. look, look at our polls. And if you looked at the letter, I think Russia asked specifically to go to one polling place. Yeah, in Texas, yeah. And one. they basically implied that, you know, Secretary of State staff could be there the whole time with them. So they wouldn't be on their own. Part of me wonders why it would have been funnier if Texas said yes. <laughs> Just what, what would have happened? What would they have right. seen? I, I, I think the anxiety around this is at least in part uh, about the fact that in this election cycle, the concept of the Russians messing in our elections mm-hmm. in some right. fashion is a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not an like actual this is just any old year. Ju- just yeah. just yeah. this morning, we had Mike McCall over at the Austin Club, chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee and a, a secu- national security or homeland security advisor to Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump, you may remember, said on Wednesday in the debate that he, and not the first time he said this, that when the question came up either from Chris Wallace, the moderator, or from Hillary Clinton, that the Russians had hacked into our emails, that they had conducted effectively cyber espionage against the United States. Trump said this time, and I think it said before, well, we don't know for a fact that it's Russia, when in fact the story is that he's been briefed by the intelligence agencies that it's Russia. And Mike McCall said this morning, I told him specifically (laughs) that it was Russia, and he doesn't believe it. Well, of course he doesn't believe it. Right. But we do have this question of the Russians messing in our elections. Mm, right. And so the concept of the Russians yeah. then observing our elections and, is sort of a bridge too far. And, and, and like Amon said, it, it was a request to observe one polling place and yeah. to learn about democracy. It's actually really strange, mm-hmm. poor grammar. Well, but doesn't this um, happen but, all the time? I mean, like, don't lots of international folks want to observe elections? And doesn't the U.S. Maybe. observe elections other places? The U.S. And, yeah. does, yeah. Um, actually, in 2012, um, there's a little little issue when uh, it was a European um, monitoring agency. I can't remember the exact ac- acronym. Had asked um, um, uh, Greg, Greg Abbott, or, or had asked the Secretary of oh, State right. at that time uh, to come, and, and Greg Abbott kind of politicized it and said, you know, no way. Wasn't you know, it we'll, something like we'll, through the UN? Y- yeah, it, it was like a UN European group um, that monitors and elections Abbott in a lot of places. Something. Don't mess with Texas. Yeah, don't yeah, mess come with and te- take it, um, yeah. oh, and yeah. you know, we'll <laughs> prosecute you if if you come. Um, so that was an issue, and then in the in this exchange this time around. Um, uh, Carlos uh, Cascos. uh, Cascos's, um letter was actually like fairly 
Nice. I mean, he did mention this a lot. Like, if you if you show up, you know, and, and you're not permitted, you, you can be prosecuted. But we'll also arrange a meeting so with the local election officials so you could learn about the process. And they did not take them up on that. So it really seems like it was just instigating. Hasn't mm-hmm. Donald Trump also been asking for his supporters to go observe the polls? I mean, these yeah. are not the only people who are not, you know, who want to look at us voting, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's worries about that. I mean, that there are like poll watching in Texas is a thing and, and it's a pretty tightly regulated thing where you get permission from a, a, a candidate or a campaign or, or a party to go and, and, and watch the polls. But you can't really do much. You, you can just look, look this is this what, is one of these this yeah. is one of these issues on which there is no chance for dis- for a pardon me for agreement among the among the two sides or between the two sides. Um, you know, one side says there's rampant voter fraud and that we have to be constantly vigilant and on the lookout for voter impersonation and other forms of voter fraud. And the other side says, honestly, the statistics don't back it up. This goes back at least to March when President Obama said that the concept of voter uh, participation is being impeded by election officials. Uh, and Greg Abbott came back around and said, yeah, the reason that uh, that we're so vigilant about this and is because we believe that voter fraud is rampant. And statistically, the evidence for that is is sketchy, if not completely lacking but part of the Donald Trump is making this election outcome in advance in part a case of I would have won this thing but it was stolen from me aside right? from the fact that we've aggregated like every newspaper endorsement in Texas I think among the top 40 newspapers by circulation in Texas he got the endorsement of one Waxahachie maybe? light right? Waxahachie well, well yeah. that's the problem though because he's equating um, you know, oh, the media. Ri- yeah, right. He's putting the media in, into his equation about how the election is rigged. So he's actually kind of changing the definitions of it. So so that would actually help prove his point. Well, and can you imagine if Hillary Clinton were to win Texas, how that would boost his argument? Democrats never win Texas. And this time I did. I, show, I told you it was rigged. It was theft. Should have let those Box Russians 13. watch the polls. <laughs> right. It always makes me think of Scandal. Do you guys watch Scandal? Yeah. And the whole show like pins on a voter fraud issue. Oh, and like a single machine, right? Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, you should watch if you don't. All right. uh, I want to talk about a very strange occurrence in the Capitol this past week. Basically, a lot of lawmakers and their staffs got some tickets slipped under their doors to some booze-fueled polo match and then promptly got told what? Well, actually, it was it was the uninvitation that was slipped under their door. They were handed invitations from uh, Kyle Biederman to a polo match. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Biederman, Biederman is uh, he beat Doug Miller, Representative Doug Miller of New Braunfels, in the Republican primary. He is definitely going to be the state representative. In- incoming House member, no Democratic opponent. Right, right. But he has not won yet, so he can't even say he's state representative elect. The problem is in the. Uh, Invites he gave. One, he described himself as state representative elect, which you're not allowed to do. Ooh. Uh, and then also the. Uh, so, so strike a, one. <laughs> uh, Unkosher, un- if technically true. Right. Um, not even technically true. He's, yeah, he has no opponent. He's not been elected. You can't yeah. say, how is he elected? State representative presumptive would have yes, been better. presumptive. Or elect-ish. Let me, <laughs> yeah. Elect-esque. Yeah. Let me cop- copy edit his note. Okay. And then the other issue was that um, the polo match was uh, presented by this a company called the Blackstone, Blackstone, Texas, a political consulting and marketing firm that Biederman had used in his campaign. There was questions of whether this involved, this was lobbying or um, just, uh, this was uh, going sideways of uh, <laughs> Texas ethics laws. So a few days after he made the invite, he, he or a staffer slipped notes under 
the doors of all the legislators he had invited saying, uh, sorry, you were not meant to get this invitation. Please pretend it never happened. Please don't show up at the polo match. Though I wonder if some folks show up at the polo match because they didn't get the please don't attend memo. I would just pretend I didn't get the uh, invitation. Yeah, I know. Hang on to those tickets. It's like Evan's favorite line about sticking a note in someone's locker. I like that line. It's true. <laughs> I know. You know, this is it's. There's a learning curve for people who enter the mm-hmm. legislature. You know, I mean, I'm not necessarily giving copy yeah, them in the past, but you know, for people who've never served in the legislature before, the the norms and the rules are strange. He probably just thought he was doing something nice and a great way to network with his future colleagues. But and honestly, it, sometimes it, networking, those networking is always the problem. <laughs> I, I hate. I, I've always hated networking, so that's. I'm just going to blame the cold concept. Yeah, and, and and folks in the the House and Senate should just thank us for bringing this issue to light. They were educated on what these rules were. You know, mm-hmm. it did, doesn't have nobody to be a huge, has to go watch a poll. Yeah. <laughs> it's not to be a huge scandal, but like now we kind of know what those rules are. Exactly. All right. Well, Evan, uh, in the couple minutes we have remaining, yep. um, fill us in on what's going on at Baylor. What's going on at Baylor is there's a federal investigation on uh, into title, potential Title IX, uh, title nine oh. violations mm-hmm. uh, by the university following the departure of the Title IX coordinator uh, under some, some we- kind of weird circumstances. You know, there was a, sort of a negotiated exit that then she decided, no, I'm just going to go and uh, and make a bunch of noise. I didn't get what I wanted out of the exit package. Um, the, the Baylor situation gets weirder and messier by the minute. Um, we, of course, had Ken Starr back at the Tribune Festival a month ago as we sit here uh, talking about this uh, issue. And that seems like an eternity ago in terms of the things that have, have happened since. And um, I, I think the situation at Baylor is less clear rather than more clear after the events of the last month. Um, whether or not we discover anything new um, from this federal investigation remains to be seen, obviously. Well, why has it taken this long? I mean, it seems like the feds have gotten involved in a lot of these different cases. Why only now at Baylor? I, I, I don't know the answer. You know, part of the conversation I had with Ken Starr at, at the festival was about why it took Baylor itself so long to do a sufficient investigation vetting of, of the accusations made by, you know, alleged victims Um uh, why it was an internal investigation that then gave rise to an external investigation, kind of the whole sequence of events. Um, c- candidly, Emily, I think we're just watching like everybody else is to see how this mm-hmm. plays out. Um, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a complicated situation for sure. Right. All right. We'll uh, field one more quick question from Facebook uh, that has to do with the voting booth. We'll see who knows the answer to this one. Hopefully, one of you. Question from Tom: Is it legal to take pictures in the voting booth and share your ballot? I believe that selfies of ballots in Texas are legal based on the map that I saw of states in which it was illegal. Don't they not even like you to have your phone out in there, though? You know, you can't bring in, like, a list of endorsements from the oh, newspaper I saw or a man in front of me. Oh, my God. Oh, really? A man in front yeah. of me online yesterday said, I'm, my wife told me who to vote for, and he brought in a sheet. There David are... said somebody got schooled for taking the Austin Chronicle in when he was voting. Well, that's the Austin Chronicle. That's <laughs> the problem. No, no, there are grassroots groups that have, like, for years made their name on giving out, sending postcards, like, and here's who you vote for, bring l- this to the ballot. And League of Women Voters has their, like, voting guide and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I don't know specifically them, but there have been groups that All do right, that. So you so, yeah. can take a selfie in the voting booth. Well, I, I'm saying that I saw um, a map I on social so. media just this morning of the states in which ballot selfies were illegal, and Texas was not one of the states on the map I saw. Hmm. All right. 
may need to do a text planer on this because I don't know the answer. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some litigation on that. In, uh, ballot in selfie, too. 2016, yeah. Ballot selfie, 2016. <laughs> all right, that's, that's all the time we have. If you'd like to send us your ballot selfies, you can send them to Tribcast at texastribune.org. Just send them directly to Amon. <laughs> right. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Amon, Jim, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Hey Siri. She didn't respond. <laughs> oh. <laughs>